Life Audio. So many of us believe that it is our right to have our rights, and in my rights come first. And what Paul is saying is not in the kingdom, not in the body of Christ. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am loving this series we're in, and I'm so grateful for just the feedback that you guys have shared and what's been helpful for you. I just got a note actually from one of our people who's in on in and on our team, Tonia or Tonia from Melbourne, Australia. And she says, thanks so much for your weekly podcast and emails for the study of Romans. I've tried to study Romans before and I found it overwhelming. So thank you for giving me some guidelines and tools to really start making sense of this wonderful letter. There is so much loving it all. I just love that. I love that feedback. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we can overcomplicate um, scripture, but it is sometimes complicated, and and it's good to be in it together and be like, okay, let's just slow down. Let's try to shift our perspective. Really ask these simple questions of scripture and believe in faith that God meets us in that, and that He does a transforming work in our hearts simply because we keep showing up. We keep showing up to hear from God. And so we're in Romans 14 this week. We are coming down the home stretch. We're headed toward the end of this letter. And guys, we have so much in store for 2022. We're going to have at least four Bible studies um, on this podcast that you can follow along with, just like we did with Romans. We'll be coming to you each and every week, discovering God's Word together. But even in the midst of our weekly podcast, we will also have those different series that will be coming up. So I'm super excited about it and glad that you guys can join us. Um, And we're going to just keep on. We're going to keep on discovering together in 2022. So without further ado, let's talk about Romans 14. So we know, again, let's just do a little recap. Remember, Romans 1 through Romans 11 were all about the mercy of God. It is this incredible theological argument for who we are as human beings, who God is, and how salvation happens, right? That's like the basis of everything. Most of the most of the letter is really about that. And then we get that pivot in Romans 12 where we start saying, okay, therefore in view of God's mercy, And we start to live out this transformed life, right? So Paul's making a big pivot here, Romans 12, 13, 14, all the way through the end. We get this pivot where we start talking about practical matters. But when we talk about practical matters, we are still talking about them under that umbrella of Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, let us offer ourselves as living sacrifices, pleasing and acceptable to God. Remember that part? So everything that we talk about coming out of that is going to be, what does it look like for us to worship God as living sacrifices in this world? And what Paul is going to do in Romans chapter 14 is actually start addressing some specific issues that have come up in the church, okay? So again, remember, what are we doing when we do Bible study? We want to ask the question, what does it say? What's the backstory? Okay, so we want to understand the passage in its context, 
when it was written for the specific people that it was written for. Then we ask, what does it mean? And when we ask, what does it mean? We're pulling out that principle. And a principle is a theory that we're working with that would apply at the time that the letter was written the same way that it applies to us today. Okay, so we're going to we're going to hit a cultural context today in this chapter. And you're going to find this a lot in scripture. And this is a place where we really do have to do the work of understanding the principle so that we can accurately apply scripture to our everyday life. Okay, so we're going to do that today in Romans chapter 14. If you haven't read the chapter, this is a good time to stop and make sure that you are reading it. And by the way, if it would be helpful for you. If I always read the chapter, you let me know. Send me an email, put it in our Facebook group. Let us know because I could read it for you first, but I'm just going to get to it. I'm going to trust you to pause the podcast, read it for yourself or listen to it on your Bible app and then come back. I sort of titled what we're going to talk about today as when we disagree. And we're asking the question, what do we do as believers when we disagree? And I want us to look at verses 19 through 21, because this kind of is the summation of the chapter, what we're going to learn in this chapter. And it says this, Romans 14, starting in verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Okay, so we're going to get, we're kind of in the midst of Paul's giving us a summation to, he's giving sort of a judgment about the way to proceed forward. And we want to back up and understand what's actually happening in this chapter. What do we know about this time and this place so that we can accurately understand this? So we're going to ask that first question. What does it say? When we look at this passage, what does it say? And there's a couple of things that stand out to me when I read just these couple of verses. The first one is, therefore, you know, I love those little words. Therefore is always that connecting word that tells us we need to understand what happened earlier in this passage. If you just pull these verses out of context, and let's say you cross-stitched them on your wall and you hung them in your kitchen, it would be confusing because it would be like, wait, maybe I'm supposed to be a vegetarian and I'm not supposed to drink alcohol. That's what this means, right? And on some level, that's what this means in a certain context. But if we pull it out of the context, we lose the actual meaning and we actually lose the principle. So the first thing I'm noticing is therefore, which means that all of this is connected to whatever happened earlier. And then we have this make every effort. Okay. And I love this because make every effort. I wrote above that phrase in my own journal, make every effort is a sign of what I'm to do. This is the part that is in my control. I can make an effort. I can make every effort. Doesn't mean that I'm going to succeed. Doesn't mean that it's always going to go perfectly, but it does mean that I have a responsibility here. And my responsibility is every effort, right? And what are my what am I making every effort to do? What leads to peace and to mutual edification? I circle the word edification. I looked it up in the dictionary, make sure I understand what it means. Edification means the building up of others. It means to build 
So I'm rewriting that verse for myself and I'm saying, okay, I am responsible for making effort toward peace and building other people up, period. That's the part that I would cross stitch and put up in my kitchen, not the whole thing. So then the rest goes on and it says, okay, so, so then do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Again, I'm circling that. What does this mean? What are we talking about here? We're not just talking about food in general. We must be talking about something that's happened in the passage before. Okay. So after I've done all that, I get to the end and I'm like, don't do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Okay. Huh. Interesting. What does it mean to fall? What does it mean to stumble? I want to ask that question. Okay. So I've done my work of what does it say? And then the next part of our Bible study is what's the backstory. And this is where our study notes are so, so helpful because our study notes help us understand the historical context that we're in. Okay. And when we go to our study notes underneath your, this is my study notes under, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, we start to understand that we're in a specific dispute, and my notes specifically say, probably over whether Christians need to abide by Jewish food laws. Okay, so now we understand that we're in a specific argument, and there is a disagreement that is going on. Now, as you know your scripture and understand your scripture, and as you become more aware of the big story of the Bible, your mind is going to immediately go back to the sacrificial system of feasts that we learn about in Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. It is the way that God established his people and the way that he um, told his people to live out a life that brought him glory. Okay, That's all the Old Testament. That is the Jewish system of feasts and sacrifices and confession. And that's what that's all about, right? And so what we know from Leviticus, if you've been back there, and what we know from those laws is there was a lot of very specific laws about what Jewish people could eat or not eat what to do with the blood of animals, what to do with animal sacrifice to idols. There's all of this stuff about how to live pure and clean. And that was kind of what was at at hand. So now we've got this time that the early church is being established. Remember, Jesus came to the Jewish people, right? Paul then becomes the person who is explaining that this is not just, um, Jesus didn't come just to save the Jewish people. Jesus came for the whole world, the Jew and the Gentile, right? So Paul is actually a Jewish guy who then receives a revelation from God that, no, this is a message for the whole world, that this whole thing that God has been doing is to redeem the whole world. You and I, most likely, unless you were raised Jewish, you and I are those Gentiles. We are the people who are the recipients of God's grace, and we've learned all about that through the book of Romans, right? So now we're getting to a very practical matter, which is that we've got a group of people who've been living under this religious um, system that are the Jewish people, and then we've got all kinds of other random people who've come into the way, which was what Jesus is, what Christianity was first called was the way, capital W. And all of these people have come into the way, and we're starting to get arguments about what is right and what is wrong. And in this chapter, we are getting a specific argument that's specific to that time, and the specific argument was around what is okay to eat and what is okay not to eat. And Paul now is going to give us principles that we can use when we disagree. So first and foremost, we want to understand what was happening in the time that this was written. So let's just, let's back it up again. So what does it say? What we know from this chapter is that there is a specific dispute going on in the church. 
And Paul is giving principles with which you can understand how to interpret disagreements. And what we hear here in verse 19 is he says, first and foremost, you do what leads to peace and mutual edification, right? What makes people, what builds people up. And then he says, the principle at play is that you accept, this is from earlier in the chapter, you accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Okay. So now, hopefully you're getting curious and you're like, wait a second, what makes someone's faith weak? What makes someone strong? And that's what Paul actually teaches us in this chapter. And in this chapter, what he says is, hey, like, there are those who are going to feel convicted in their spirit about living a certain way, about doing certain things, about things that they might eat or not eat, drink or not drink, about what they might watch or not watch, about the way they may behave or not behave. There are people out there who are going to be that way. And what Paul actually says is that you are free. You are free in God. These disputable matters don't make one person more faithful or less. In fact, he actually says, those of you who feel free, those of you who are not actually standing, you're not feeling like any of this stuff is a stumbling block, then you're clean. You're fine. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Paul actually commends those who are experiencing the kind of faith that leads them to freedom. He's saying, actually, for him, he's saying nothing is unclean in it of itself. But if you regard something as unclean, then it is. If if your conscience is pricked, then it is. And actually, he goes on to say, and you know what? If you're with someone whose faith is, is making their conscience feel like they don't, in this, in this case, what they eat and what they drink is a matter of righteousness for them. The right thing to do, the right principle at play, is that you accept that person who's weaker, you defer to the person who is weaker. It doesn't mean that you have to yourself believe that that's the better way to live, but when you're with that person, you defer to them. This is a beautiful principle. And that is the principle of this chapter, because that's the part, that's the truth nugget that we can take and bring into 2021, okay? The, the principle is not specifically around food laws or ceremonial food. The principle is about what do we do when we have different views on what is acceptable in the kingdom of God? And what Paul is saying is, here's what you do when you have different views, except the one whose faith is weak except the one who feels that this is the right thing to do. Honor the people, make every single effort that you can to honor the people when they want to do what leads to do what leads to peace, do what leads to mutual edification. So many of us believe that it is our right to have our rights and in my rights come first. And what Paul is saying is not in the kingdom, not in the body of Christ, In the body of Christ, if someone you're with believes that drinking is wrong and you feel freedom around drinking, then when you're with them, don't drink. If someone you're with doesn't like to watch that kind of TV, when you're with them, don't watch that kind of TV. It actually says defer to the one whose faith needs you to defer. Now, of course, 
this is not always going to, this doesn't always work out, right? Because what if we're like, no, I actually think that's not right. Or that's, where is that line? Well, that's where biblical interpretation comes in, my friends. This is where we have to say, praise God that we have the Holy Spirit. Like God has not just left you the word of God and like left you alone. We have the indwelt spirit of God within us. And so when we're in a we're in a situation and we're not sure what the right thing to do is and we're not sure how to defer to our brother or sister if this isn't if this is a time where we're meant to speak up or this is a time where we're meant to accept without judgment you have the holy spirit within you don't defer to your own instinct take a moment and be like holy spirit would you lead me in truth right now Holy Spirit, would you help me to make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification? Here's what generally happens, guys. Generally, when we do that, you're going to become more compassionate, more gentle, more deferential, more patient. That's usually what's going to happen. You also will become more courageous over time. You will be able to speak the truth in love because it will come from love. But if you're a person who has no problem speaking the truth, this might be a season for you to learn what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit and defer to gentleness and to acceptance and to compassion. Guess what, guys? We are not the policemen of the kingdom of God. God did not call us to judge one another. He actually says, stop passing judgment on one another. Stop. Make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in front of a brother or sister. Do that. Make sure that you yourself are not a stumbling block, particularly for those whose faith is weaker. So that is actually the principle that we can take with us. What does this mean for me? Well, it means for you, what does that look like in your life, right? I might have my own opinions about any number of things out there, any number of topics out there in the kingdom of God right now. I can have all of my opinions about that. But at the end of the day, what am I doing that leads to peace and mutual edification? Holy Spirit inside of me, would you help me right now in this conversation to know what is going to lead to peace and mutual edification? It's actually, I think, going to be more clear than you think. Like right now, you might be like, I don't know, which, which, which way am I going to go? I think when you're in the moment, and you prioritize love because we know that's what God prioritized. And if you're not sure what to prioritize, you can read Romans again. And we know what is what does God prioritize in Romans? Mercy. God prioritizes love. He prioritizes faith outside of works, right? Like no works are going to get you there. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short. That is the priority of the book of Romans. And then we go on with the priority of saying, okay, do what will lead to mutual edification. Do what will lead to peace. Do not do things that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Figure that out. God will help you. The Holy Spirit inside of you will actually help you to do that. So as we go into the holidays, as we go into a lot of opportunities to be with other people, I want you to be mindful. Don't be, don't be worried. Don't be overwhelmed by what this means. Just be mindful and go into whatever gathering you're, you're in or whatever work meeting you have or whatever and say, God, Holy Spirit of God, will you help me right now to do what leads to peace and mutual edification? That probably means that there may be times where there's something I want to share that I choose not to. There may be times where there's something that I want to do that I choose not to do, that I hold back. There might be a way that I encourage someone in their faith and accept them for where they are. And that is what Romans 14 is really about. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. Remember, that last question is always, what does this mean for me? And that's where I leave you. I say, what does this mean for you? What does this look like? Where are you likely 
to be stubborn and and hold your own rights? And where are you likely to release, right? A great example of this, I remember um, uh, a family, some family members of ours are really uh, very, very intentional about always going to church on Sundays. My family, you know, we're not as intentional, meaning if we're, if we're vacationing or traveling out of town, we may not go to a worship service that day. And I remember once several years ago, we were together, all the kids were little, and our family members were like, we are going to go to church today. And they found a church in the town that we were vacationing in to go to, and we went with them. And honestly, you guys, on my own with my own family, we probably wouldn't go, but it was so good and it was so right. And it felt like, you know, this is what my family members believe is important for today. And this is a wonderful opportunity to do what leads to mutual edification. This is not a time for me to debate the ins and outs of whether it's legalistic to need to go to church on the Sabbath. That's not what this is about. And it was so good for me, It you know, in the midst of, of sort of deferring to someone else, it's so good to say, yeah, whatever someone else needs in that moment, like you can, you can defer to that and you can find out that it's good. And I share that in the hopes that that encourages you guys not to have a debate about Sabbath, but to say there's a lot of room in the kingdom of God for a lot of ways to live. But what we can do is defer to one another in a way that leads to peace. Amen, everyone. Amen. All right. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.